Romans chapter 8 and verse 15, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, of course, meaning dad or understanding this close relationship. I want to speak this morning on this subject, the risky business of relational living. The risky business of relational living. And you may be seated. Thank you for standing in honor of the Word of God. The hang glider rides the tramway to the top of Sandia Peak, which overlooks Albuquerque, New Mexico. And at the tip of the peak, he stretches the gossamer fabric over a lightweight metal frame and leaps off the mountain into the clean air. That individual enjoys the rush that comes with the risk of hang gliding. Yet the glider trusts that the warm thermal currents coming up from the valley floor beneath him will sustain the flight. I remember a number of years ago when we had a group of men from our church that were going down to Peru and we were helping to build some churches back after that uh, tremendous earthquake. And many times as we will do in our missions trips with our men that are building after the church has finished building, which we can do in usually five days or less, then uh, we all go and do something fun. And we were in Lima, Peru, and they have this deal where you strap yourself onto a stranger that you've never met before, and you run off a cliff with nothing but the ocean below, and the currents, hopefully the warm currents of air will come and, and lift you, and you have a big parachute, and you sail around, and then you come back and land. And uh, so a number of us men uh, went and did that, and I can remember that um, some of the men did really well. But as they got ready to strap me on to one guy, the man had a very, very nervous look on his face. And he said, no matter what we do, when we take off running, don't stop running. And I said, okay. He said, we're going to run, 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 run right to the edge of the cliff. And when we do, we're going to just jump. But don't stop running. So here I am running toward a cliff with this guy strapped to um, me and me strapped to him. And after we jumped off the cliff and sailed around successfully and landed back uh, in the area where we took off from, when we got off, he said, Gringo! Promise me you'll not eat any more cheeseburgers. <laughs> Even the wind can't support everything, I guess. Every year, 4,000 more people take up the high-risk sport of rock climbing. Using the grace of a ballet dancer and the strength of an athlete, they jam their toes and fingers into the cracks of the vertical rock face and they seek to defy the law of gravity. Sometimes even stopping and, 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 and building a little hammock or tent that they can rest on the side of the rock face. I, I have seen people even spend the night that way. 
Can I tell you that if I'm on the side of a vertical cliff and I am hanging by some threads of a hammock or bungee cords, there's not going to be a whole lot of rest going on. I can't imagine doing that. But yet, 4,000 people a year are joining that sport. 25,000 people a year shoot the rapids of the Colorado River. Rising and falling with the swirling current, they enjoy the thrill of, of beating the odds and taming the river. This is uh, a culture, this is a generation that enjoys the, um, the euphoric feeling of taking such a gigantic risk. But if we were to even back down from those extreme sports and just talk about life in general, we would all have to agree that life is risky. Starting a business is risky. Buying a car is risky. And perhaps there's nothing as risky in life as relationships. It's a risk to be in a relationship. You risk your heart being broken. You risk rejection. You, you risk a hurt. Uh, tomorrow, Sister uh, Amy and I will... Uh, have been married for 19 years, and um, I, I was thinking as they put that picture up there, how I used to have more hair, and it used to all be black. And I'm not sure what happened. I guess we'll just blame it on the kids, because I feel like I've had the best 19 years of my life, the last 19. And, and uh, I think if you would ask my wife that she would say the same thing. She's nodding, so that's a good sign. <laughs> oh, we were so young, honey, at one time. I don't know what happened. But uh, it, it, it was a risk to start a relationship. It was a risk to fall in love. It was a risk uh, to, to get married. And uh, I heard her talking to one of her friends uh, the other day, and I'm not sure what all the context of the, the story was, but at one point uh, she said, I put all of my eggs in one basket. His name is David Myers. And I thought, oh my goodness, what a risk that is. And I felt the weight of that responsibility all over again. But oh, the reward is proportionate to the risk, isn't it? And so from a natural standpoint, human relationships are a risk. And we understand that what we see in the natural illustrates the spiritual. What we don't often focus on is the risk that's involved in having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Perhaps it's the greatest risk of all. And I know in many ways it seems contradictory to mention risk in the same sentence as having a relationship with Christ. But indeed, we know that you can't have relationship without risk. And we know that whatever we see in the natural, it's an example of what's happened in the spiritual. It's even exacerbated by what happens in the spiritual. So we know that there is extreme risk in starting and maintaining a relationship with Jesus Christ. So the question for all of us is, is it worth the risk? Is it worth the sacrifice? We read... In your hearing from Romans chapter 8 and verse 15, and it says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And this verse, uh, in the middle of this incredible letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome, it, it illustrates a very powerful principle. 
that fear and bondage go hand in hand. If you live in the spirit of fear, you will live in bondage. That's the Bible. There's no way to get around it. If you live in fear, you live in bondage. But what I love about the scripture is that it's contrasted. And the contrast of living in fear and bondage is the spirit of adoption. Abba Father. Relationship. That's what's wonderful. Fear is bondage. But relationship is the opposite of bondage. It is freedom. But it is also risky. Because bondage and fear go together, so relationship and risk go together. Let me give you an example as we focus on this word adoption for just a moment. Because I feel like that Paul was intentional in including this word adoption. Uh, God is not stuck with you and I. He chooses you. He chooses me. He has adopted us into the family of God. The Bible describes us as Gentiles as being that wild olive branch. But He has grafted us in. Oh, hallelujah. And I'm so thankful that He has. He's adopted us. He, he loves us on purpose. Uh, I, I was thinking of my experience with Tubalo Children's Mansion. For the last several years, I've been on the board at Tubalo's Children's Mansion. And of course, our church through our Go uh, Ministries uh, helps to support this. But this is a, an orphanage for uh, children um, in the city of Tubalo, Mississippi. And it's, uh, it's been um, with the United Pentecostal Church for a number of years. And they do a phenomenal job. A good friend of mine, Stephen Judd, is the director of it. In fact, a young lady from our church is actually uh, there on staff as well, Sister uh, Stacy Jones. And they, it, it, it's a great program. And we have learned more about it, even over the last several years that we've been a part of their board and going to the campus annually for board meetings, meeting the students. Uh, I remember even as a young evangelist, uh, every year we would go and have uh, youth week there. And I would get to know these kids and their stories. And you just... You just sit there with them and cry. It's an amazing thing. But the majority, uh, if not the majority, at least many of the residents uh, that are in Tubalo Children's Mansion are there as a result of failed adoptions. And failed adoptions is just people that attempted uh, to have relationship by adopting a child. And for whatever reason, it didn't work out. Maybe uh, they, they, they didn't think it was going to be what it was or it didn't work for the child didn't work for the parents whatever reason it's a failed adoption i never had any idea this was was so prevalent but the majority of adoptions fail they're not successful so what do you do it's not like you're you you, you buy a, a piece of clothing at a store and you take it back i mean this is a human life and so many of these failed adoptions these kids they don't uh, they don't. They don't have anywhere to go. They go to two little children's but they got to deal with the rejection of a of a family that went to adopt and then for whatever reason changed their mind or it didn't work out. So you can imagine the pain and the scars and the and the emotional trauma from that. And this 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 home, this staff, these people, they do an amazing job. It's it's so worthy of our support. And they uh, they love these kids and they take them in and and uh, they begin to teach them the the word of God. One young man. That, that was there, uh, it was just a young teenager. And uh, my friend, I, I just started, I was having this conversation, my friend started to teach a, a, a Bible study to uh, uh, this young man. This young man knew nothing about the Bible. And he said, you know, I'm going to give you a Bible. He gave him a Bible. He opened his Bible. And he said, I'm going to start teaching you the Bible. And before they could even get to the first lesson, this, this young boy said to my friend who was going to teach him, he said, you know, here's all I want to know. I just want to know about the apple. 
He said, about the what? He said, the apple. I just want to know about the apple. And of course, he was talking about the, the fruit in the Garden of Eden. All he knew, all he'd ever heard his whole life, is there's something in the Bible about an apple. That's all that he knew. And uh, that there was some problem with the apple. And of course, my friend started to teach him about sin and redemption and, and started to teach him that the problem was not with the apple on the tree, it was with the pear on the ground. We'll be here all week. <laughs> the problem is not with the apple. The problem is with Adam and Eve. It's with human nature. It's with free will. And of course, humanity that's out of uh, relationship with God is bondage. But these young people uh, that are at this home that, that does an amazing job, Duval Children's Mansion, they're having to learn to take risk again. To take the risk of of learning to have to love again and having to trust again and, and to open up their heart again. And all of that is risky. Amen. Especially if you've been hurt. And as amazing of a place and as amazing as the ministry as they have at Tubo Children's Mansion, every one of those children, if you were to interview them, they would all say that they want to belong to what they call a forever family. A family that will love them forever with unconditional love. A permanent place of belonging. But to belong is risky. I'm so thankful, ladies and gentlemen, that they can teach these young people about a forever friend by the name of Jesus Christ. And though it is risky to have a relationship with Jesus, I'm here to tell you that He is a forever God. He is a forever friend. And He gives each of us a forever family called the church. Oh, I'm so thankful for my brothers and sisters. But He is the common denominator that has brought us all together. It's His love for us that made us part of the family of God. But to believe is risky. It's risky even coming to the house of God this morning. Especially for visitors. It's risky. It's risky to step out from where you're standing and to come down to an altar. It's all risky to achieve anything, to move forward, to believe is risky. But oh, my friend, can I tell you that there is a reward that goes with the risk and the reward is a loving Savior. And though you may have been hurt in past relationships and though you can't serve God effectively without having a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and I don't propose that that's without risk, but I'm just here to say there's great reward when you take the risk and open up your heart and say, God, here I am with all my mistakes and all my scars and all my shortcomings and everything that I've done that's not right, Lord. I still believe and I trust in you. Every field moves forward at the point of those willing to take risks. Early in the 19th century, Dr. David Kane O'Neill had a hunch that surgery performed under local anesthesia might be safer and the recovery would be quicker than general anesthesia, which is, of course, when they put you out. The only problem was nobody really wanted to be tested on to prove this. Only monkeys wanted to help him prove his point, and even some of those were reluctant. So he did something that was very, very risky. It certainly is something that if we think of today, we think it almost would be impossible. But Dr. David O'Neill 
administered to himself local anesthesia and removed his own appendix to prove a point. And he was successful. And medicine moved forward from that point because of the risk. Anything advances at the point of risk. The space program, we would have never made it to the moon without people being willing to take the risk. And anytime there's risk, there's danger. But we would have never even have what all is coming now and SpaceX and Blue Origin, all this stuff that's happening just up the coast because of people that were willing to take the risk. It all advanced at the point of risk. And if we choose to avoid risk, we live in bondage. We live in fear. We can't live this life that God intended for us to live without risk involved in it. And if we are to advance in our relationship with our Savior, we have to come to a point of risk where we say, you know what, I don't understand it all, but I'm going to trust in you, Lord. I'm going to believe in you. I don't know why I'm facing these circumstances. I don't know why I'm dealing with sickness, maybe even the loss of relationship at home. But oh, hallelujah, I'm willing to take a risk and say, God, I still trust in you. I believe in your word. It's risky, but I'm putting all my eggs in this basket. Jesus illustrated this principle with a parable that he told in Matthew 25. I turn your attention to verse 40 where we begin our reading. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And, and unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. But you don't take five talents and make an additional five talents without taking risk. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained another two. And he that had received one went and digged it in the earth. Now that's the guy that decided against the risk. He just went and buried it. And he hid the Lord's money, his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh, reckoned with them. He's going to see what they've done with it. And so he that had received five talents came and brought the other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest me five talents. Behold, I've gained inside thee five talents more. His Lord said to him, Well done! Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. He also that had two talents, same thing happened. But then they got to the guy with the one talent. And he says something that's very interesting. He said, I knew thee that thou art an hard man. Which showed that he didn't have relationship. Because he didn't really know him. But his perspective was that he was a hard man. How many people have the wrong perspective of who Jesus is? And because of that, they don't have that relationship. They're not willing to take the risk. But oh, my friend, you've got to have a relationship to know that he's a good God. He's not a hard taskmaster. He's not some, you know, being out there that's got three heads and has got horns growing out of his head and he's got a zap stick and he's just looking to zap you up, you mess up. That's not the kind of God that you and I serve. That's not the creator of humanity. We serve a good God. The Bible said every good gift cometh down from the Father of life. He's a mighty good God. Oh, hallelujah. He said, I was afraid and I went and hid the talent in the earth. 
And he said, I didn't want to lose. And the Lord answered and said to him, thou wicked and slothful servant. The point of this parable is to teach us that if we want to have a relationship with Christ, then we have to be willing to take a risk. You cannot have a relationship with Christ and stay in your comfort zone. You've got to take a risk. But if we operate in fear, we don't please the master. We're in bondage. And there's no relationship. So the parable of the talents, as this story is referred to, doesn't have so much to do with what one does with their talents as much as it has to do with the risk that we're willing to take for the work of God and the kingdom of God. At some point in my life and at some point in your life, we have to be willing to say, Lord, whatever it takes, I'm putting it in your hands. I'm willing to take a risk and say, God, I'm going to serve you anyhow. I may be facing some things that I don't have an explanation for, but God is a Good God! I want to say one other thing as we're talking about this. Most of the wrong decisions that you will make in life, if you go back and look at it, I've done this with my own life, most of the wrong decisions that I made in my life were made in fear. And being in ministry all these years, I've talked with enough people that I realize it's not just one or two people. Most of the bad decisions that we make, we made them because they were based in fear. But I'm here to tell you that if you'll look to the Bible, we've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. When I operate in fear, I am put in a self-made cell. I am in a bondage of my own fear. But fear is not of God. Living a fearful, risk-free life will warp our perspective of God and the church and sitting on the sidelines of life will give you a different perspective from those that are actually playing on the field you can sit on the sidelines you can sit in the back you can stay somewhere other than getting in the action as one old preacher said under the spout where the glory comes out but oh the joy when you said I'm coming to an altar oh the joy when you said I'm going to lift my hands and worship God. Oh, the joy when you say, I will baptize my wallet. I will give you everything, oh Lord. The story is told of a, a farm family from whom the, the big event of the year was the arrival of the mail order catalog. Some of you may not realize the joy that comes from getting the mail order catalog because you're a, a city slicker. That I was raised in Port St. Joe, Florida, about 2,500 people up in the panhandle of Florida before my family moved here in 1971. And, and Port St. Joe didn't have like a Walmart. They, they, they didn't even have a 7-Eleven. They had one grocery store and it was called Piggly Wiggly. Piggly Wiggly. And if you went there often enough, you would become a Piggly Wiggly. There wasn't a lot of health food. There wasn't like a Whole Foods there in Port St. Joe. We didn't have any kind of stores per se that you'd go and shop at. I think maybe there was a some sort of small hardware sh store. But there, were, I, I remember that Sears was not really there, but they had a presence. They had like a storefront, and it was only a store that handed out the Sears catalog. And oh, the joy when we would get that catalog, that big, thick catalog. 
and we'd open, this was long before the internet and all that, we'd open up that and we'd just flip and we'd see all the things we wanted for Christmas and my sister and I would start to make a list of all of our Christmas presents and all the things that we wanted and we just fell in love with that mail order catalog. This family, they were so excited with the arrival of the mail order catalog. They found something in that catalog they wanted and they ordered a telescope. Oh, they were so excited. They were going to set this telescope up and they were going to be able to view the countryside all around their home. But no sooner had they brought the telescope home and they got it in their house and set it up. But as soon as they started to look out the window in this telescope, they saw a hideous monster that was perched up on a nearby building. And it so frightened them all that they locked all the doors and they fastened the windows and they waited for doomsday. A monster is here sitting on top of a building in our very area. Except uh, the youngest lad in the family, uh, he figured out how to operate the telescope. uh, And he figured out that the family was not actually looking at a hideous monster, but instead it was just a praying mantis uh, on the window screen. But with this newfound telescope, it had warped their perspective to the point of view of what was around them. Oh, my friend, when you don't have the perspective of the Word of God, when you don't have the clarity of God's Spirit leading you and guiding you, you can get a warped perspective of the world around you. You can see monsters everywhere. You live in fear and bondage. But oh, when you back away from all of it and say, i got to get my attention on the Word of God, you'll be able to see Jesus for who he is. He's a faithful friend. He's a faithful God. And though you may be facing trouble and trial and even sickness, God's going to bring you through. Those who sit out on the sidelines, unwilling to face the risk of having a relationship with Christ, they find themselves with a warped perspective, a skewed view of the challenge that's immediately before us. Because, ladies and gentlemen, every one of us, all of us sitting in these seats, breathing air today, every one of us have been given by God a quantity of the stuff of life. Talents, as it were. That stuff is what's given to us. Our relationships. It's our time. It's our talent. It's our our treasures. It's free will. It's the ability to love. The ability to believe. God has given us the same 24 hours a day. God has given every believer a talent, a capacity. He has entrusted us with resources. And in reality, this parable is about our willingness to take risk, to take our time, talent, and treasures, and to put them in the hands of God and say, Lord, I'm putting all my eggs in this basket. All too often, the last entity in the community that is identified with risk is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. But look at how Romans 8 continues. We read in Romans chapter 8 and verse 15 our text, but now let me draw your attention to Romans chapter 8 and verse 16. It says, The Spirit itself, capital S, referring to the Holy Spirit, it beareth witness with our spirit, small s, human spirit, that we are the children of God. Paul is saying there's an agreement within our own spirit and within our own personality and understanding 
that we are in relationship with the mighty God in Christ. We're not just floating around through earth here marking time. We are the children of God. We have an eternal nature and a divine purpose. That's relationship. Then verse 17 says, and if children, in other words, if you understand verse 16, it builds on it. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God. So we're not just in relationship with God, but we are his children. And with that relationship comes reward. So we have an inheritance. We are heirs with him. But then as Paul writes, more and more revelation is coming because he says not just heirs of God, but we are joint heirs with Christ. You see, let me explain this. If you're an heir, that means that you're going to have some blessing, maybe some windfall that takes place at the death of the testator. But if you're a joint heir, oh, that means you've got a present reward. It doesn't mean it's a future reward. Paul has given us a revelation. When you serve God, it's not just the reward of heaven. It's not just when the trumpet sounds, but every day that you get up that you've got a revelation that his name is Jesus and at the name of Jesus every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess when you get that revelation every day is a gift every day is joy unspeakable and full of glory we are joint heirs with him we have relationship we have reward if so be that we suffer with him here comes the risk if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. Reward. So this is the simple mathematical formula. One plus one equals two. Relationship plus risk equals reward. Relationship plus risk equals reward. And we understand that risk and reward go hand in hand. So the greater the risk, the greater the reward. That's why sometimes you got to step out on the water. Hallelujah. Only Peter would step out of the boat. Everybody else said, we'll just stay in the boat and row faster. Eventually we'll get to Christ. But oh, there's somebody that's going to walk on the water. And it's Peter, the guy who runs his mouth sometimes before his brain's in gear. The one who oftentimes made mistakes because of his impulsive nature. But he's also the one who's willing to take a risk. And he's the one that the Lord said, upon this rock, I will build my church. What is the rock? It's the relationship. Why did Peter have relationship? Because Peter was the one willing to take a risk. Oh, I feel boldness in the Holy Ghost that God is calling some members of East Wind to take a risk and say, God, whatever it takes, I will put it in your hands. Calling us to come out of our comfort zones. Verse 18 continues, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Shall be revealed in us. Wait a second, there's something extra to this formula. It's not just relationship plus risk equals reward. It's relationship plus risk plus reward equals revelation. <laughs> it's one plus one plus one equals three. We got a relationship. We've taken the risk. We found the reward. And now there's revelation. 
The relationship brings risk and the risk brings reward and the reward brings a revelation. You think about it. It was risky for the Lord to robe himself in flesh so that he could come and be in relationship with man. That's why he came. It was based on relationship, but it was a great risk that the God of glory would robe himself in flesh. When the messenger angel appeared to the Virgin Mary with this incredible pronouncement that she would be with child but without a husband, this Hebrew teenage girl took an incredible risk in a society that at worst would stone her and at best would shun her. She agreed to take the risk of being the human instrument of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, my friend, the universe is not some cybernetic computer that's spewing out some kind of impersonal fate for those uh, that accept risks in the name of Christ. Uh, the game uh, has been tilted by the nail-scarred hand uh, of one who took the ultimate risk uh, for the sake of the kingdom of God uh, and overcame death, hell, and the grave. Uh, and oh, my friend, uh, when we risk something for God, we have the great assurance uh, that the great risk-taker of all time uh, has gone before us uh, and has dealt with the realm of grace uh, and has been successful victorious and so here we are and we understand that if we're willing to take a risk we get the reward of a revelation we know there's power in the name of Jesus we know that anytime day or night you can call upon his name and he is as close as the very mention of his name we have a revelation that he is a friend that he is close to us he's not some far off or beyond the Milky Way somewhere he is a God that is nigh unto his people and when you and I are in trouble he is not further away he comes closer in a time of need. Revelation that comes. But watch how it unfolded even in his own family. When they went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover in Luke chapter 2, verse 41 says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, so Jesus is just a 12-year-old boy. They went up to Jerusalem after was the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days... As they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they supposing, everybody say supposing, they assumed him to have been in the company. How many of you from big families accidentally left your kids somewhere? We only got one honest man in the whole church right there. <laughs> uh. They supposing him to have been in the company went a day's journey and they sought him among their kinfolk and acquaintance. Boy, there's three things that jump out from this passage. Number one, the most unlikely people to lose Christ would be his own family. But yet they did. Because he's just Jesus. Sometimes I believe, church, when we are constantly in the presence of God, it is easy for us to take for granted the relationship that we have. 
and we can lose sight of the wonder of God's presence. We can, lo- we can just assume that when we come to the house of God, God's going to be there. Oh, no, my friend. Uh, the Bible says the Spirit is like the wind. It comes and goes wherever it wants. Uh, if the Spirit of God has blown into this place, uh, we ought to thank God every day. Uh, when we feel the presence of God uh, and we sit in heavenly places, uh, we ought not to just assume uh, He's among the brethren. We should just assume uh, that He's here with the family. We ought to say, Hey, have you felt the Lord? Uh, I can feel him here. He's in this place today. He's here to do a work. He's here to give us something from the Word. I don't want to lose him by being a family member. The second thing, the most unlikely place to lose Christ. Would you lose him in the temple? I started looking at this and I thought, was it in the temple where they lost him? I got to studying this because I wanted to know, are we at greater risk of losing the Lord when we come to the house of God? I found that really it wasn't in the temple that they lost him. They lost him when they just assumed that he was there with the others. But here's what's really clear from Scripture. They found him at the temple. You say, I don't feel like I have the relationship like I used to with the Lord. Well, guess where you'll find him? In the house of God. When they went back to the temple, that's where they found him. Oh, my friend, when you get back to an altar of repentance, when you get back in the temple, when you get back in the house of God, you say, oh, I feel like I need more of the Lord this week. I've been going through some things, and I don't think the Lord has been close to me. But, oh, my friend, when you get back to the house of God, he's there where you left him. He's still there. He's still here. He's still working, and he's still reaching. you lose Jesus, go back to the church, you'll find him there. The most unlikely time to lose Christ was on their way home. Don't lose Jesus on your way home. We're getting too close to the coming of the Lord. It's just about home time. Oh, the old song says, see the bright light shine. It's just about home time. I can't see my father standing. Oh, see, that's relationship. At the door, this old world has been a wilderness, but I'm ready for deliverance. Come on, can I get a witness in the house of God? Oh, hallelujah. When you have a relationship with Him, it's worth the risk. It's worth every sacrifice. It's worth obeying the Word of God. Don't lose Him on your way home. We're too close to heaven now. Luke chapter 2 and verse 48. And when they saw him, they were amazed. When the family found him, and his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have, have sought thee sorrowing. He said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wish ye not that I was about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. The full revelation had not yet come. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. And then this little part of verse 51 is what lodged in my spirit. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. Something about a mama. She knew something was up. He's only a 12-year-old boy. But he's talking like no 12-year-old we have ever seen. 
There's something special. She's reminded of that angel that visited. There had to be times in that first 12 years when she thought that angel was just some sort of a hallucination. Jesus had got dirty diapers like everybody else. Jesus is in the tub like everybody else. Jesus is throwing rocks at his friends like everybody else. There had to be times in the natural when she doubted. But oh, when he said, I've got to be about my father's business. She kept all these things in her heart. She knew something was up. Though she didn't fully understand it at this point. He's just 12 years old. Uh, they had the relationship and they were learning the risk of that relationship. What revelation was on its way. Oh, my friend, I'm here to tell you that the risk uh, is going to bring revelation. Uh, because just a few years after that, uh, before he'd ever done his first miracle, he's at the wedding in the city of Cana. And they had a big turnout. Uh, and a lot of people have come and they run out of wine for the guests. Uh, and they said, what are we going to do? Uh, and they just started pouring water in the pitchers as Jesus instructed them to do. Uh, and he said, serve it to the guests. That would have been a great insult to do. The water was very unclean. Everybody would have gotten sick. The wedding, the master of the wedding ceremony, the, the, the one who was in charge of the wedding feast, uh, that individual was a little dubious of the instruction of Jesus. So hunts down Jesus' mother and Mary says, do whatever he tells you to do. I know it's risky to just serve this dirty water, but do whatever he tells you to do. I know sometimes it's illogical to follow the principles of the word of God, but just do whatever it says to do. I know it doesn't make sense in the midst of my hurt and heartache and rejection to turn the other cheek, to obey the principles of God's word. It's a risk to do it, but just do what Jesus said to do. Because there's a revelation that's going to come. And when they started pouring it all, they started smiling and laughing. And they said, well, most weddings, they serve the best stuff at the first. But you've saved the best for last. And she looks over at Jesus and Jesus looks over at her. It's just beginning, Mary. Because everything Jesus is involved in is better than what man was doing on his own. Woo, hallelujah. Whatever man does on his own, it may have a certain limited level of success. But when God puts his finger in it, when God puts his thumb on the dish, when God says, hey, let me be involved in your plans. I know it's risky, but whatever God's in, he's going to multiply it. He's going to bless it. Mm. Mary is never the same. She may not have had the full revelation at this point, but she knew that obedience was a risk worth taking. And then we find that it's Mary in the upper room after her son has been crucified and risen and then was on earth for 40 days and then ascended to heaven. Can you imagine the emotional roller coaster up and down? But I'm so glad Acts chapter 1 says that when they gathered in the upper room, they named Mary as being there. Whoo, she's understanding now. Relationship going to bring revelation. Because she was willing to take the risk. And the Holy Ghost is poured out. And she receives the Spirit of God that's in her. That is a forever spirit. The gifts and callings of God that are without repentance. 
a forever family, a forever friend, a God who adopts us into the royal family. Yes, it has risk, but all the risk is worth it. The reward that comes with it, the revelation that comes with it. But then ultimately, the revelation gives way to resurrection. I said the revelation metastasizes into resurrection. And when you get the Holy Ghost, you not only get a revelation of Jesus as the mighty God in Christ, but you have got a resurrected spirit that one day, one day this corruptible is going to put on incorruption. One day this mortality is going to put on immortality. And the Bible says, if you've got the Spirit of God... He's going to catch you. Hallelujah. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet Him in the air. Hallelujah. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead is also going to quicken your mortal body. If you don't have a relationship with God, that doesn't make any sense. If you don't have a relationship with God, you won't be willing to take the risk. But oh, when you take the risk, you're going to get a reward. You're going to get revelation and ultimately you're going to get a resurrection Mm. oh would you stand to your feet right now I feel the Holy Ghost in this house the risk will bring reward the reward will bring revelation and the revelation will bring a resurrection is it worth it yes I know it's a risk to step out of where you're standing and make a commitment to the Lord today I know it's a risk, but it's worth it. I know it's a risk to believe God's going to heal your body. It's a risk to pray. It's a risk to witness. But it's a risk that's worth it. I know it's a risk to even open your mouth and raise your hands today in a public place like this and to say, God, I exalt you. But when you do, you feel the presence of God. Won't you practice that right now? Come on, even if you've never done it before, just raise your hands and just say, I love you, Jesus. 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 Jesus. Come on, can you feel His presence? I don't want to live this life in fear and in bondage. Come on, I want to live knowing that I'm in relationship with my Creator. I wonder how many in this building would take the risk right now of just stepping out from where you're standing. Make your way down to this altar. Do you need the Holy Ghost? If you need a healing in your body, you come up against an obstacle that you can't move it on your own. He said, I've tried everything else, Pastor. I wonder right now if you just let the Lord direct you. Come on, He'll make it better. He'll renew all things. He can make it all brand new. Oh, that's it. Just take a risk today. Come on, just take a risk. God won't embarrass you. He won't hurt you. He won't turn you away. 
Come on, he's as close as the mention of his name. Oh, yes, Jesus. Oh, yes, Jesus. Here I am, God. Come, Lord, with all of my mistakes. I'm not a perfect human. But you've been so good to me. It's worth every sacrifice. It's worth every prayer. Good day. 